Uh, Jonathan, are we halfway there yet? Is that how this works? I always forget. Uh, There's four weeks of Advent. Are there yeah, four weeks I, of Lent? <laughs> there are, I, I think, think there like are five s- weeks. Six weeks? It's yeah, 40 I days. In- <laughs> how many weeks yeah. is that? I was told there I, would be no math. <laughs> I think with the uh, inclusion of Palm Sunday, we have uh, six total Sundays, including Palm Sunday. So five Sundays of Lent. Um, yeah, all right. I think that's about right. So we're about so halfway. We're, all, we're about Almost. halfway. I think the, uh, as we're going to be talking about today, I think the scrutiny readings uh, begin on week three and then finish on four and five. That's right. So five total. Um, Which yeah, one is no, the pink so, one? The, ooh, uh, that's isn't the there a pink sun- one? That's the third. <laughs> that's the that's the third Sunday of Advent for all I remember. No, there's a Lenten one. I thought. Yeah, I think so too. I can't remember when that is though. <laughs> um, it's it's either the third or the fourth. One of those two. Rejoice! It's fourth. Um. Yeah. So we're almost to that, but we're not there yet. Um, but yeah, so we're the third Sunday of Lent, and so begin the scrutiny readings, uh, which I don't think we're actually going to talk about today, since I, yeah, I am not going to be celebrating our RCIA uh, this Easter. That's somebody else's job, and so the masses I have, I don't think will do the scrutinies. Womp yeah. womp. Womp womp. Um, yeah, and I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed in that, because I think the scrutiny readings are way better than what's on <laughs> offer for us on the third Sunday. Yeah. Why do you say that? Well, I got to say, so, uh, well, before we jump into the third Sunday, let's just talk really quick about the second Sunday. Uh, any thoughts after our conversation last week about today's set of readings from the Transfiguration? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Um, I actually ended up preaching twice today, uh, once for a group of missionaries of charity and once at the parish. And it was great. I ended up preaching about uh, the whole thing about falling asleep and waking up to the glory of God and sort of exhorting people in this Lenten journey to be kind of like cold water in your face. to like wake up and to mm-hmm. change your life, you know, yeah. and to see the glory of God in your face, you know. Um, that was good. That was good. Um, anyway, so the third Sunday, uh, I'm not too whelmed by, <laughs> uh, by this set of readings because I don't really understand the gospel. Every time I read mm-hmm. it, I don't really get, like the fig tree I get, but like the whole thing about the Tower of Siloam and Pilate mixing blood of people and wine, like all that, I'm not sure I understand. That. Did what, he say what's wine? going on there? I don't think so. Did he mix it in? No, he said. Mingled the blood of their sacrifices. Oh, okay. I think they were like like mingled their blood with the sacrifices. Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, I think so. Okay. Who's yeah? The who's, Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Right, 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 right. Okay. So, what do you uh, what what's going on here? What's I the gospel don't about? No, I just in fact before we started recording, I told you I was trying to get through this, and it was a little confusing to me. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. I think the Siloam thing is like this battle where everybody died. I think you can still go there, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know really a lot about it. Um, sure, sure. So, yeah. I'm, I'm wanting to get from this that maybe there is a temptation for people to say, because these people died in such a horrific way, that somehow they deserved it, 
their their sin caused this great misfortune, or the sin of right. their fathers caused right, this great right. fort- misfortune. And it's interesting that Jesus says, uh, no, <laughs> by no means. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if, you know, and I don't know that I've ever heard that preached in, a, like explicit, explicitly preached in a homily, because we still kind of believe that. Or at least I should say, the more fundamentalist among us tend to believe that, that all of the misfortune, um, or even the the non-believers, the, the naysayers, the skeptics of, of Christianity, try to use that line, that how would God let such a terrible, how, would, how could God, a good and loving God, let such a terrible thing happen? Right, right. Um, and Jesus here is very clear. It's like, well, no, that's that's not how this works. Mm. But you will die, right? Like, if if you don't repent. Like there's a there's but he obviously he's not talking about physical death because all people die, right? Uh, right. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a rambly. I don't really know what. Like I said, I don't really know what to make of this. But I do yeah. think that okay. there's something there. Yeah, I think maybe just in like broad strokes, what I'm gathering it has to do with sort of like personal responsibility uh, with uh, with sin and like how our sin is our choosing, and so it's not mm-hmm. that like we sort of. Um, yeah, I don't know, like our fathers had sinned or something like that. And so coming to like personal responsibility, which ties to the fig tree, like the fruit that we bear mm-hmm. is what we're, we're judged on, you know? And so, uh, like, what do you say? Of those 18 people who were killed, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem as if there was some sort of vengeance, uh, that God has on the wicked? Um, instead it's, I think, putting the emphasis on personal responsibility, you know? So there was the fig tree to finish this story out, which is to say that we are judged by our fruit. You know, and our fruit is what we produce, not necessarily what we incur because of the the sins of our fathers or because of some sort of like, whatever, you know, some sort of like racial distinction, like these people versus those other people. It's like, no, 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 like whatever fruit you bear, that's what you're judged on, you know? Yeah. Still, though, with a, a message of mercy, the gardener was ready to cut down the tree then and there. So, yeah. well, hold on, let's let's wait, you know, give it another year, you know, sort of like that that moment um, in Sodom and Gomorrah, let me find just 10 people. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Now how about just five people, you know, like right. trying to build the sense of let's, let's, yeah, let's not just rush to something like such, to such an extreme measure. Let's make sure. You yes. Know, spend yes. time praying even. Yeah. So I think, you know, Hey, so like right out of the gate, I think like we have a good Lenten message there about conversion and about, you know, stop blaming other people or your circumstances or whatever for your sinfulness is that your sin is your own. You know, it's not the fault of anybody else. It's not the fault of your circumstances, not the fault of nature or something like some sort of, uh, some sort of fate or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. Like we have choices, you know, and those choices that we make are the fruit that we bear. And so repent and believe Mm -hmm. in the gospel, you know, and yeah. In, and also, like, the other side of that coin, which is what you're saying, is that God is infinitely merciful, and he gives us, you know, multiple chances to make up the difference. Mm-hmm. And so that's a clearly good Lenten mes- message of conversion, you know? Yeah, and it's even in the collect for, for for the third Sunday, that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. Um, nice. Yes, I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really cool... You know, we do talk about Lent as a as a penitential season, and it is okay, okay. Um, but you know, we've spoken about this before. We can't forget that this penance is for a purpose. It's for a reason. It's not yeah because we like to suffer. 
It's so that right. we can trust in God's mercy, so that we can know that we are merciful and need God's mercy and then receive it. Yeah, yeah. That just reminds me of something that I was saying today in my homily about the transfiguration. Kind of the way that I framed the transfiguration was around, like, why would the church give us the mountaintop and glory right after the desert? And what I try to, like, hone in on is that, like, our faith is not about staying in the desert, you know, depriving ourselves for the sake of misery. But, like, the church is sort of reminding us in the second Sunday of Lent every year that our goal is glory. Like, that's the goal. Like, don't lose the goal of what we have before us, that our life of pan of penance and fasting has a purpose, like you're saying. And that purpose is to help us climb the mountain, you know, to get mm -hmm. to the mountaintop of glory. And I think there's a really beautiful invitation there to exhorting a Christian to say, like, hey, don't just stay stuck in the desert, but find God on his holy mountain, you know? Um, which I think, you know, beautifully that connects, you can connect the transfiguration from week two to the first reading of week three, you know, with Moses tending the flock and going to Mount Oreb, to the mountain of God, where he will eventually, I think, come back in, in I think Oreb is the same as Sinai, is that right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. So it's like, it's the mountain where he receives the, the law eventually, but it's uh -huh. also his place of encounter with God. So like, you know, Mount Tabor and then Mount Oreb are, are easily connected between weeks two and three, that that's the place of encounter and mm -hmm. glory. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're made for, you know? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's the liturgy. That's the source in the summit language that we use. Mm -hmm. That this is something that we're always being called up to, but also to, we're also sent down from. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, anything strike you about that first reading uh, at face value? You know, a couple of things. It's interesting that we, you know, so, okay, I'm going to confess something. I've always read this story, this account of the burning bush, you know, God replied, I am who am. This is what you shall tell the Israelites. I am sent me to you. It's like, I feel like every, every time I read this, like I'm missing a key part of the story. Like, should they know what that means? Should I know what that means? Uh, <laughs> yes, Father. Will they know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like narratively, like it, yeah, I don't know. No, it's a good question. It does seem to fall out of nowhere, you know, that there's maybe there is a cultural uh, connotation here. Kind of like if you go back to uh, Paul at the at the Acropolis, that there was the unnamed God mm -hmm. and that that there was the shrine to the unnamed God mm -hmm. and the unknown God. And so, like, that's the one that he said that he worships. So, like, it was already within the, the like the uh, the the panorama of the gods known by the Greeks that there was one that they would give homage to that was unknown. And so maybe there was something in the in the Egyptian world where mm -hmm. there was maybe a similar um, tradition. I don't know. I don't know enough about that to, to say. Um, but I think, I think your point is well taken. I think a lot of us just sort of jump to the conclusion that this is evident what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's similar. A lot of my thoughts were similar to what I already said about, you know, uh, uh intention and, uh, and following God's will that it doesn't, that the passivity of allowing God to work doesn't mean that I don't act. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. means that I do act, but with the proper intention, like Jesus in the desert, always pointing back to the Lord. Right, um, right. That's the passivity of allow. I, I think of allowing the Lord to work in and and through us is that we're not we don't turn into robots all of a sudden like automatons. Right. Um, we're still living and breathing people with 
mistake making. And we see that, you know, the great, this is what I loved about this uh, second reading um, from St. Paul, that he's kind of recounting the Exodus. Um, you know, our ancestors ate the spiritual food and drank the spiritual drink, the rock, you know, and the rock, he says the rock was the Christ. Um, you know, and it happened a couple of times where they, where they got the water from the rock, but it, it was, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the last time was when Moses got banned from the whole, from entering into the promised land, um, because he did so with anger in his heart. He was so frustrated. And so, but even that, you know, like, even though it was something so good, the Christ, if it's misused and we, and, and we point to ourselves rather than pointing back to, back to the father, then yeah, that's, I don't know. There's not really a thought in there. It's just some musings that I was having. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think like the reference back to Moses is good. Um, but, um, I wasn't really struck too much by what he was saying in Corinthians, frankly, Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about that. Like, so Moses, Moses's evolution from, uh, from Exodus there to first Corinthians it gives us in Exodus his initial encounter with God. And then in first Corinthians, it gives us a reminder of his final demise, right? Because that was that like the, the striking of the rock is precisely when he was then condemned to not go to the promised land. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, yeah. I don't so know. Maybe what it's else? that last line. Therefore, whoever thinks he is standing secure should take care not to fall. Moses. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. And you and um, me, <laughs> you know, all of us. Yeah. Well, we yeah, and then you stand, can... we tend to stand secure, don't we? Right, right. And then you can connect that all the way back to what we were saying about responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. in Luke's gospel is that, you know, Moses didn't take care that it's not enough that first consolation that we receive um, in the call, but that if we don't persevere in the call, uh, you know, through the rest of our life, then our responsibility means, you know, that's the patience that God was having with the fig tree. Like, you know, give give it a second chance. But at the end of the day, like Moses was forbidden from entering into the promised land precisely because he failed to to persevere in righteousness, you know, because mm-hmm. he doubted. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting, I mean, I think this is a great opportunity as well, or could be to talk about, um, you know, again, as we're in a penitential season, talking about how the beauty of, of the sacrament of reconciliation, how when we, you know, how often do you and I, okay, me, how often do I, when I'm preparing for confession and think, you know, I don't, I haven't really done a lot. I'm actually pretty, pretty good now. It's like, mm-hmm. that's total yeah. evil spirit. <laughs> uh, right. Because of course, you know, I sin every single day, you know, we all do. And so like th- having, thinking that I'm more secure than I am, is this really, I think even more so in these days, even more of a, a trick of the evil spirit that we're, sure. that a lot of people are convinced by. Yeah, the kind of complacency that comes with presuming forgiveness or mm-hmm. presuming that I'm all right, et cetera. So it's kind of the other side of the extreme. It's like on one side of the extreme is the superstition from the gospel of like who sinned that, you know, led to their to their demise. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum is like, well, I never sin. And yeah. so like I, I don't have any issues whatsoever. This hypersensitivity on the one extreme and the other a presumption of God's forgiveness. But mm-hmm. in, in between that, there's responsibility, you know, and this is why the Lord can command us to repent you know, because the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, you know, Moses, Moses at the beginning, you know, encountering God, that's, that's our ex- experience of God. You know, we have also received the Lord in a very, in a very beautiful, profound way. And it's, it's almost, I kind of mentioned this before, you know, connecting transfiguration here to the book of Exodus, but like, it's kind of a theophany. It's very much a theophany that's happening here in Moses, you know, that 
the disciples as well at the transfiguration. So maybe like week three, we could come down from the transfiguration mountain, just like Moses did. And then exhort to saying, will we persevere with that experience of knowing God or we, or will we like Moses end up bearing bad fruit and not being allowed to enter into the promised land? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I could build a homer on that. That seems, that seems good for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I think there's something there, you know, other than mm-hmm. that, I am kind of struck, struggling to like pin down, you know, what is the good news of, the third yeah. Sunday of Lent. Yeah, for what it's worth, like maybe just a brief word on uh, the scrutiny readings for anybody who's going to get the scrutiny readings. I I always find myself very jealous of parishes that get a chance to do the scrutiny readings just because they're so vivid and they're so, they're so beautiful. And I think it's just, it's the best that John has to offer. Like I think all three of them are from John's gospel. And like this week we would have had the woman at the well, like the entirety of that mm-hmm. chapter of John's gospel. And it's like, was it John four or something? John three or four. And it's great because it's just, you get the entire story of conversion, but conversion that happens with an encounter with Jesus that's mediated through water. And I love that because it's very much the church preparing the catechumens for their baptism, that the power of water to be, you know, a life giving source, you know, in an encounter with Jesus. Um, and that's carried on the following week with, you know, receiving faith, receiving light, receiving sight, and then eventually with the new life that comes with Lazarus's resurrection. Um, like I would find that very compelling to, to preach from. And I, I kind of mourn not having that. And so like, you're, I think you're right. Like the readings that we do have, I think we've kind of reduced them down to their bare essential, which is, you know, what the, the verse before the gospel says, which is repent and believe. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of what it comes down to, you know? Yeah. Back to Ash Wednesday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Good, good, good. Yeah, other than that, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of happy with that too. You got any final thoughts on that? Oh, just I was looking, you know, going back to this um, second reading. I really, <laughs> I really like and suffered death by the destroyer. I think I'm going to mm. refer to the evil one as the destroyer more often. Yeah, I like that's that. great. I mean, because it is a very accurate description. There's destruction suffered. that we're talking about here, not just right. death. You know, death right. is something good and holy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And what's great, like that gets into your one of your favorite images about like evil and uh, and corruption is that there is no such thing as evil. It's just the, the corruption of the good mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. destruction that the evil spirits don't create anything. Mm-hmm. They they just take what already exists and they contort it. They ruin it. You know, they destroy it. Um, I will say maybe there is a connection between like that language of destroying and then like the falling of the tower of Siloam, whatever happened there, hmm. you know, hmm. like there's destruction that happens around or the, the destruction of the tyrant that Pilate brings destruction. The tower falls on the innocent. Like there's something there about maybe you could put Pilate and the tower of Siloam sort of as maybe symbols of the presence of the destroyer um, in our lives. And it's like our sin at the end of the day, I can be tempted by the evil spirits, but it's still my fault. I can't blame the devil. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's, yeah. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> no, no, but I yeah, think it's, sure. it's an interesting thing. A lot of people do. It's we like, do, well, the we devil do, made me do it. 100%. Yeah, we do for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, good. All right. Any parting thought? Nope. That's it. All right, buddy. Till next time. Your pal.